We're going to kind of change gears now and jump into our, our message series we're calling War Torn. We're really uh, discussing this, um, this conversation. Maybe some of us have, have come to a place in life where we're just exhausted about the battles. Maybe it's battles over family issues, battles over, over house, um, houses or over uh, work or over, um, you, you can name it, how many battles do we face all the time. And honestly, our battles um, oftentimes wind up being a matter of perspective. And I find perspective interesting. Perspective is uh, one of those kind of things that if you really think about it, it cause, it's, it's about looking at things in different, play, in different ways, and it's always involved in our lives. I was thinking about the perspective I had as a child of certain things and now as an adult. Um, family night's kind of a debate, a perspective in our family, and one of the interesting things about family night for us is when I grew up, family night was literally a VCR. The TV was on, and VCRs were brand new. My dad had access to the, uh, the school district's um, basically uh, in entire tape collection. So we didn't need to go use the uh, video, the rental place. They weren't even really around yet. And he'd go in there and grab all the Disney movies. So we, we saw all kinds of crazy Disney movies growing up and, and all kinds of different movies. And then Mejia's, uh, uh, Mejia's appliance shop opened up there. They were one of the first ones to rent videos in town. We were right in there. And I can remember the first video I rented. And so I have this nostalgia to certain movies. You have that sense that you watched them when you were a kid and you're just like, these movies are awesome. I love this movie. So my kids get together. I'm like, oh, we're going to watch this movie tonight. This is going to be so cool. We get the DVD because we, or we find it on, on, um, Netflix or something like that. We, we get it all set up, and the kids are all sitting there with their popcorn. We're all ready to go. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is going to be a great movie. And this is awesome. And you go, huh? Huh? Whoa. No. No, 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 no. Okay, we're, we're not watching the deal you because know, somehow, as a kid, you missed all that content. You ever been there? You're like, no, Greg, we're holier than you. No. The, uh, no, you just wind up and watching this thing, and you're like, uh, no, uh, wait, uh, sorry, guys, we're going to watch Care Bears, you know. And uh, the whole point is just like you weren't looking at it with the, with the same perspective. Now that you're an adult, you're looking at it from an adult perspective. It's the difference between how a child views a trampoline and an adult views a trampoline, right? A child sees a trampoline, they think, flying, I'm flying. An adult views a trampoline say, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. It's so totally different things. And the point is perspective is important because if we have the wrong perspective when it comes to our situations in life and when it comes especially to God, we're going to wind up making things worse or better depending on how we look at this. And what we need to realize is that this, this reality occurs with God in the extreme here in America. See, you talk to people and they, they love God because God's a loving God and he, he loves us and he gives us things. But then when we find ourselves in the middle of trouble, troubles, when we find our family in struggling, we're watching the news and the evil of the world, there's a tendency to step back and go, God, is he really good? I mean, he's loving, but what's wrong? Is he mad at me? Is there something going on here? I don't want to go through this. We even see some people get to the place where they said, there is no God, because look at all the mess in the world. And what we're seeing there is, no matter what position we take, we're actually stepping back from our pain, stepping back from our struggles, and looking at a scenario, and we're saying, you know what, God? I don't like that. You know what, God? You're wrong to do that. You know what, God? I don't deserve that. It's all fighting language. You ever notice that? Deep down in the human soul is a desire to fight with God. No matter whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian yet or, or wherever you're at in your, in your life, there's a human tendency to fight with God. 
a human tendency to look at him and go, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm, I'm, this, is, this is my life. You, you name it. But there's this reality, this resistance. And yet, what's wrong with that whole thing is that you and I know, deep down inside, we're going to lose. If you begin to read the Bible, you realize humanity's been fighting with God since the inception. And it's gone all the way up to where we looked in the book of Romans way back in the day. And we were examining the, the, the structure of the book of Romans a few months ago. And we realized that it came to this. It said that because of our sin, because of our fighting with God, God's wrath is coming. And that's not a happy start. I don't like starting with God's wrath at the beginning of a sermon. It's like, hey, God's wrath's coming. But I want us to think about it in a different context, a different position. You see, back in World War II, it was an interesting situation. We'd been fighting with the Japanese longer than we fought with the Germans. Um, we, the, finally, the victory in, in, um, victory in Europe came, VE Day. So we're looking at this situation in the Pacific Theater, and it's going on and on and on because the Japanese would not give up. Surrender was not in their category. And so we'd finally taken the fight to their own land, and we were... T- we were bombing and coming across onto Japanese territory. And so finally the A-bomb was available. And we turned around and we dropped leaflets all over Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And those leaflets clearly said, get out of town. If your government doesn't surrender, we're going to bomb this place. Leave. You're going to die. Leave. We, we, we dropped them and dropped them and dropped them. And the Japanese continually through their propaganda machine said, they're lying, they're lying, they're lying. And, and, and we know the end of the story. We weren't lying. And what happens is in scripture, lit is dropped constantly in our lives. There's this wrath coming, a day of judgment is coming, and, and around us, inside us, is this rebel, this, this, this rebel heart that yells, God's lying, God's lying, God's lying, and he's not lying. And we go, oh yeah, well, where's the wrath? Where's the wrath? It's been a long time. Look, I'm, I'm X years old. Where's the wrath? He's lying, he's lying, I'm fighting, I might have a chance to win. Others of us might have come to that place where we're not, we're not fighting anymore. We're worn out. We're worn down by this. We're wondering how long is this war going to continue? How long are we going to keep going through this? How long am I going to have to keep fighting God? How many, to- how many bad things are you going to keep throwing at me? And so it just keeps us mustered up and we get exhausted with the deal of what it is. But all, the prob- all this warning and stuff, we're thinking, well, God, if, if you're going to bring this, what are you waiting for? And he's not waiting. In a sense. He's, not, he's, not, he's not giving up. What he's done is he's working in a new direction. He's been working in a direction with us the whole time to change our perspective. The best way to think of perspective change is I, I wake up pretty much to it every morning. Um, and that's not my, me, it's my wife. My wife is, is um, not a person who sees very clearly without glasses. She wakes up in the morning and she thinks I look great because she can't see. And she puts the glasses on and goes, I'm going to take those back off. And, and the whole thing in, the, in that life is just the plain fact that she needs glasses or contacts to see correctly. I find it weird because I don't need glasses. I look around and I'm like, I see things really clearly. And I try to blur my eyes to where she's at. And I'm like, that'd be really weird just to wake up in your natural way of seeing life as a big blur. And some of you guys are going, yeah, welcome to reality, Greg. And, um, and for me to realize you can put something on that corrects it. So you see it better. You see it rightly is important because that's what God's trying to do for us. He's trying to let us know, look, if you just put on the right lenses, you'll see the reality of the world. And you'll just change lenses, you'll see that everything changes. 
And that's really what we're looking at in this, in this, at the beginning of this series. That if we'll just change our lenses, everything else will change along with it. And I think that lens change is best defined in Romans chapter 5. If you will, grab your Bible, open up to Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. And so Romans chapter 5, you need a Bible there in page 942. And the Bible's under the seats. You can join with us right there. Paul is, the, is, is known as St. Paul. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ, a missionary who's been sent out by Jesus to spread his name and his message across Europe and the fact that he's resurrected from the dead. And, and Paul has witnessed Christ's resurrection and he was once an opponent and now he's not. And so he's been writing a letter to these church in Rome trying to encourage them forward about this good news of, um, of peace with God. And so this is halfway through the argument. He's already argued that Jesus has, has borne our sins on the cross, that all you have to do is trust him and rely upon that promise, and, and you will be forgiven of sins. And so he begins in this conversation about what I think is this lens change, and, and, and he starts here, verse 6. Let's just read it for a second. While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though, for, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while, he were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now, we are now, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. You're going, okay, that's interesting. What's, where's the lens change? It begins at the beginning. That really what God has done is he's said, you need to have a lens change of peace. From fighting to peace. But the problem, in order to go from fighting with God to peace with God, you have to come to the realization that you and I are willing to surrender. And that is a dangerous notion. Surrender is frightening. When you think of the terms of surrender that happened in World War I, they were so strict, so huge, they, that they caused massive problems to lead to World War II. In World War II, when Germany finally surrendered, we wound up with a, another large amount of treaty and information, and we did war crimes trials, and the people who were fighting the hardest found themselves facing the judge, facing judgment, facing punishment. And so when you and I sit back and we think about peace, it's no wonder that we're lone survivors. Have you guys seen the movie Lone Survivor so far? Anybody? Anybody read the book? I just finished the book. I haven't seen the movie. And it's an intense situation. And what you find, one uh, Navy SEAL fighting for his life. And in all this, I won't take it all away. It's, when you go read it or, or see it or whatever, and that's between you and, and where you're at. And what, what happens in the picture is simply this, that this man finds himself finally getting water, drinking of the water. And as he's drinking, he, he looks up, he's fainting. He's going through all kinds of problems because he's just been, you know, shot at and all kinds of crazy stuff has just happened to him. And he's holding on to his rifle and these men are surrounding him. He doesn't know if they're Taliban. He doesn't know who they are. But they sure look like them. They sure look like the Pashtun people that live up there. And so in his mind, all he's thinking is, I, I'm not going to surrender. There's no way they're going to take me away and cut my head off. There's no way they're going to take me away and use me as a prop. I'm going to die out here no matter what. And he didn't realize as he's about to shoot these guys fainting in and out that these guys weren't there to hurt him. They were there to help him. And too often what that proves then is the seal needed a, needed a lens change. 
He didn't want to surrender because he knew what could happen. The consequences were dire. We often do not want to surrender to God because we know our crimes. When you look into your heart and you, if you were to sit down and have an honest evaluation of your past, you know your crimes. Now, we may not call them crimes like you've been in a court, but before God, they're crimes. Before God, they're, they're things that we've done wrong to other people. And so we fear what may be coming. So surrender in money of us is out of the question. Even if you've already come to Christ, you may still not have surrendered. You may still be fighting. Thinking, I got to do these good things. I got to keep this good reputation up. I got to keep this. And you're doing it not for the sake of rejoicing over what we're going to talk about, but for the fact that you're just trying to keep yourself good with God because you're still fighting. Surrender is not easy because of the dangers. But Jesus took, got rid of the dangers, and God's done great work to change our lens from war to peace. And, and that work begins by helping us get to surrender. Here in verse 6, he begins this way. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He begins with two descriptions of us. He says we were weak and we were ungodly. Neither of those are very flattering, right? Nobody likes to be called weak. Nobody likes to be called unflatter- or un- ungodly. And, and really, God's trying to be honest with us. He's saying, listen, when you didn't have the ability nor the longing to surrender, when you couldn't handle the consequences, you were weak. Now, if you think you can beat God... Then, then, then you've got the wrong notion. If you realize God is eternal and powerful and, and awesome, and you go, yeah, I couldn't beat God, then you know, compared to him, you're weak, right? We find ourselves weak before God, incapable of handling and dealing with the consequences that are coming our way. And those consequences are coming our way because we're ungodly. Now, what does that say? Basically, ungodly is just somebody who's fighting against God. Ungodly, against God. They're, they're battling it out with him. And they're not living following God. They're living following them. And they're following their own whims. They're following their own ways. They're following their own thoughts. And so that causes all this danger called wrath that we've talked about. And yet what Jesus does, look, is this. He died for the ungodly. He bore the sins for those who, who shouldn't be forgiven. He, he, he deals and takes the consequences of the war crimes, in a sense, for those who committed them. Now, that's radical. Because stop and think about it. Who in the world dies for a bad guy? Who does that? Now, I can imagine we'd all stand up here. I could have you all stand up, and you'd be like, okay, sit down if you'd be willing to die, uh, if you wouldn't be willing to die for Gandhi if he had been alive, or, or Martin Luther King Jr., or Billy Graham. Would you be willing to take a bullet for the president? You know, we, we think of this fact that there are people who are willing to give their life for good people. But now stop for a minute and think about this in your head. I want you to imagine in your mind a sinner. I mean, a real sinner. Put him in your brain. Grab hold of him in your thoughts. What do they look like? Are they somewhere in prison? What have they done? I'm in a real sinner. And the funny thing is, this is what God calls us. He goes on, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for perhaps a good person one should dare to die. But God chose his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Comparatively, perspective-wise, when God looks at us, he thinks of us the way that we think of a sinner. Because he's perfect. He's never done any evil, never done anything wrong. 
He's totally good. And when you think about that and you look at our lives, you kind of go like, Ew, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable, Greg. Yeah, God makes us uncomfortable. That's why we're fighting against him. God makes us uncomfortable. That's why we're battling it out. Because we have to face the facts about ourselves. It's not easy. I don't like it. I don't personally enjoy saying that I'm a sinner. I don't really enjoy thinking about myself in that way. But it's not as fearful to realize that when you suddenly realize that Jesus was willing to bear the punishment, as he's, we found out earlier. He's willing to take on himself the consequences for our sin. That in fact, surrender becomes totally an option because we know we're going to walk in and we're going to have this conversation over it. And God's not there to punish us. God's there to actually say, you know what? My son already took it for you. I've given my son and he's already taken away those consequences. I want you to think about that. Would you give your child for the sake of a sinner? Would you give your child for the sake of somebody who's hurt others? It's caused great grief in the hearts of men and women. Who's insulted God and are arrogant and done their own thing. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that's you. But the question stands. Would you be willing to give your kid? I have four kids. I wouldn't be willing to give any of them. And you think, hey, you got three left over. Why not? No, I just, I love all four of them. <laughs> And God loves us like that. See, God didn't just give his son, go like, well, I took care of your problem, now you're forgiven. No, he gave it to reveal something. He's not just saying, surrender, the consequences are off the table. He's saying, surrender, I love you. How much do you love me? I love you so much, I'm not going to give you the consequences. I love you so much, my son and I have agreed to bring you in the family, and he'll take the consequences. That's how much we love you. We don't want you to go through the consequences. Yes, you did it. But I don't want you to go through it. I don't want you to face it. I don't want you to be hurt like that. I don't want to have the wrath come on you. It's coming. I'm not lying. But I'm offering an opportunity to restore peace. So that what Jesus is doing, what God is doing, is he's asking us, surrender, surrender not to, not to just a neutrality. Surrender to my love for you. Surrender to the, the fact that I have cared about you so greatly. I was willing to bear that sin, that wrath upon me. When we get that, we see the fight with God is over. And you're reconciled with God. This is huge. And don't miss this. This word reconciled is important. You see, as we move on in the text, it says this. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Let's just read it this way. Since therefore we have now been made right by what Jesus did on the cross, much more shall we be rescued by him from the wrath of God. Right there, you know what that says? It says you're forgiven. It says the wrath of God is not going to come upon you. God forgave you. That's awesome. You have anybody you wish would forgive you right now? They've got something against you. They're angry at you. Frustrated with you. Don't you just wish they would just forgive you? That would be awesome. And God has forgiven us. He's just said, you know, I forgive you. In fact, I've taken care of the problem. I've removed it for you. I love you. Here, I'm forgiving you. He paid our debt. We're forgiven. Now, this is a great thing. But too many of us, if, you're, if you call yourself a Christ follower, too many of us are living in forgiveness. We have yet to move on to reconciliation. See, there's different things. Did you know you can forgive and not be reconciled? 
You can forgive that person who's abused you, and that doesn't mean you have to live with them. It doesn't mean you have to have a happy, a happy relationship. It just means that you treat them with neutrality. You don't wish the wrath upon them anymore. You've released it completely. Did you know you don't have to live together with the people that uh, at your workplace? You don't have to necessarily have a friendship with the people who have harmed you. You can forgive them, but that doesn't mean you have to be reconciled to them. Forgiveness and reconciliation are radically different things. But God has not just simply forgiven us. Notice what it says. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now shall we be, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. On the cross, what Jesus did is not just bear sin. He built a bridge. A bridge that was burned by war between us and God. He built a bridge so that we could cross back over and have a relationship with God. I have a friend um, who, who, who is a, a, he's a father. And uh, his son, who is a little older than me, kind of looked at his family one day and, and gave into all of his passions and struggles and said, you know what, you can take your Christianity, you can shove it. He moved away to another state on the East Coast and out there began to just live however he wanted to all the time. And um, they, my, my friend was in constant contact with his son and um, him and his wife would, would regularly talk to him and say, you know what you're doing is sin, don't you? You know, we've raised you in this. Why are you going this direction? He's just like, you know what, I'm done fighting. I'm doing what I want to do, get off my back. And, and so the whole time they would just end, this, end the conversation with this sentence. They'd say, you know what you're doing is sin when you're ready to come home. We're here. And they'd hang up. And um, when, you talk, when I talked to uh, their son, he says that would drive him crazy. He'd go out, do what he wanted to, he'd get home, and he just felt constantly dirty, constantly messed up, constantly broken. And finally, after, I think it was about four or five months, he finally decided, I'm done with this. Some horrible situation had occurred in his life. And he finally checked himself into a, a recovery center and, and began his movement back to Christ. When, when, my, when my friend Mike tells me the story of when his son came home, he still can't help but cry. Because when his son came home, his son truly came home. He came home and was reconciled with him. They had a relationship. All the forgiveness was done. They were able to be in the same place together. In fact, to this day, his son is in the ministry doing, doing worship ministry. And they, and they love each other and they minister together to other people who have, quote-unquote, what's called prodigals. And they love each other. But when they were separated, it was painful. It was awful. And everything that his son thought about his father was negative and angry. He was in war with his dad and his history and his mother and her history. And now they were reconciled. God doesn't want you just to be forgiven. He's given his son to reconcile you. To be near him. To relate to him. To have a relationship again. The father isn't at war with us. We're at war with him. We're exhausted from the war we're raging. Not the war he's raging. And when we realize that he has said, I'm here to give peace. I'm here to take the consequences away. I'm here to love you, forgive you, and to bring you close. It changes the lens that you see life through. Are you willing? To stop looking at your life as a fight with God. Christians, are you willing that when bad things happen to you, that you're willing to stop viewing those bad things as God being upset at you? Because you're not fighting with God anymore. 
You're at peace with him. You're reconciled. Now, it could be discipline. That's different. I'm not, I'm not breaking a relationship off with my child when I'm disciplining them. But what we're seeing here is this simple question. If you've got the wrong perspective and bad things happen, you think God's against you. Because you're at war with God. When you're looking at your past and you feel the immense guilt and the immense depression and all the stuff because of the things you've gone through and you think about what God's going to bring on you in the future and you're just like, I don't even want to think about that. Maybe you've even given up on God completely because of that. It's because of your perspective. You think you're at war with God. But God has brought peace. He's holed up the white flag and he's declared in Jesus Christ that you cannot just be forgiven of sins, but have a peace relationship with him. Much more than that, verse 11 says, you can rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom you've now received this reconciliation. It's not only that, it's that we want to be with him. The reason we challenge you to get in small groups, the reason we challenge our church to bind together in community is because God longs for us to be together with each other and with him. That we would be in prayer with him. That we'd be in the word of God with him. That we would be serving as he's called us to do. That we would be running around telling this peace story to everyone. Are you willing to stop seeing your life as a fight with God? In all of your circumstances and everything that you're raging in and all the struggles you face with your past and your future, are you willing to see that God has done great lengths to bring peace between you and him. Because that lens change, that change of perspective, changes everything.